Thank you very much, Travis and Laura. What they sang about ties in with what I discussed for a number of weeks before Ruth Ann and I were gone, dealing with trials and difficulties, addressing that again this morning. And in relation to some technical difficulties, um, Jara and I or whatever had a little miscommunication or <laughs> along the way. I won't have any PowerPoint this morning. Uh, there's no need to blame anyone for that, but uh, we won't. But that's okay. We learn to live with what we have, right? They didn't have it 500 years ago. We don't need it this morning. But if we have it, we'll use it. <laughs> Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for Scripture, the written word. Thank you for Christ, the living word. We thank you that you pursued Adam and Eve after they sinned. You pursued Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and you pursued Israel time and time again through the prophets. And you're still pursuing people, and you're at work in our lives. As we interact with your word this morning, Father, we want to be hearers and doers of your word. It's in Christ's name I pray, amen. Dr. Paul Brandt and Phil Yancey in the book that was written about 24 years ago, Pain, the gift nobody wants, they say, pain is not the enemy, but the loyal scout announcing the enemy. Pain is not the enemy, but the loyal scout announcing the enemy. Living in a fallen world means ongoing pain, thorns, difficulties, and trials. While Ruth Ann and I were away, ran into a couple. In fact, they took us out to lunch after church <clears throat> the one Sunday. Physical trial, she had had aneurysm and had brain surgery. And she is dealing with the results of that. There's another couple that we ran into that has, has had some relational trials ongoing over the years. And then just about a week and a half ago experienced death. There's another couple that we ran into, I should say the wife, and she was sharing about some relational struggles that left a deep impact that kind of changed the course of their life. We face financial trials and difficulties. We face job struggles at times, school struggles at times, relational struggles, the process of aging we face physical trials. We could basically say that life involves, and there's no escaping it, trials and struggles and thorns and difficulties. And in that context, let's take, let's take our Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 5. We looked at 2 Corinthians 12 where Paul said he would boast and he would glory in his difficulties and his trials, because when he was weak, then he was strong, because the Lord was at work. And in Romans 5, we'll be looking at verses 1 through 11 briefly this morning. The background of Romans, Paul is writing to the Roman church. They've been through some difficulty. They're experiencing difficulty, living under Roman rule, and Roman rule was not very nice. Uh, Christians were persecuted to a great degree. And if you read about what happened before Christ's crucifixion and some things that tied in with Christ's crucifixion, Rome was not a good place to live, especially 
if you're a believer. In the context of Romans, Romans 1, 2, and 3 deal with the fact that all humans are under sin. No, there's no one righteous, no, not one. And he makes that very clear in verses 9 through 18 of chapter 3. And then in chapter 3, 21 through the end of the chapter, he says there's a righteousness available from God for those who are in sin, those who are separated from a relationship with God. In chapter 4, he talks about that righteousness from God, that justification, and emphasizes the importance of justification. And then in chapters 5, 6, 7, and 8, he talks about what we have in Christ. We repent of sin, we come to faith in Christ. He says, here's what you have, here's how to live, and here's how to respond. Our future hope. Our justification makes a difference. At the end of chapter 4, he says, He, Christ, was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. In chapter 5 and verse 9, Since we now have been justified by his blood, how much more will we be saved from God's wrath through him? The whole issue of justification in the text is important. The issue of deliverance from God's wrath is also important, and that's through Christ. And our future hope makes a difference in the way we live. Romans 5 and verse 1. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us. Because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man. Though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more will we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only... Is this so? But we also receive in God through our Lord, or rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom now we have received reconciliation. In the context of sin, in the context of justification, in the context of death to sin, which is covered in chapter 6, Paul talks about what we have in Christ. Therefore, In light of this righteousness from God, this justification that we have, this being declared righteous, he says, we have peace with God. Before salvation, there's enmity between God and between humans. But when repentance and faith takes place, reconciliation takes place, we receive the righteousness of God, we're justified, we're declared righteous. So he says we have peace with God. 
Peace with God. Think about it. I'm at peace with God. The believer is at peace with God through Jesus Christ. And he goes on through whom, in verse 2, we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Grace is just unearned favor. We stand in God's unearned favor if we're believers. Because we've been justified. We have access by faith into God's grace. Notice he says, in which we now stand. That's ongoing. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the hope, the expectation of the glory of God, one day being like Christ, one day being with the Lord. He says, we rejoice in that. That's something to, if you want to say, be excited about whatever excitement looks like to you. That's something future, the hope of the glory of God. But notice kind of changes and he says not only so we don't only rejoice in the hope of the glory of God but we also rejoice in our sufferings ah we go to be with God someday we're going to be like Christ and we can get excited about that he says have that same excitement about your trials the sufferings just as you rejoice in the hope of the glory of God he says rejoice in sufferings I don't know about you, but I've read that verse a number of times. And over the years, I say, God, this is stupid. Supposed to rejoice in our sufferings. I can rejoice in what's coming, the hope of the glory of God, but sufferings. He says, not only so, but rejoice in your sufferings. But he gives the reason and that changes the nature of it. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Some of you probably watch the Olympics each time they come around. And you just kind of step back and are amazed at the feats that people do and what, how they perform. You know how that becomes a reality? Through suffering. Through practice. Through pain. Day after day after day after day. They go to the gym, so to speak, time and time again, and physically go through agony of training. What do they have then? Perseverance. Rejoice in sufferings because we know that sufferings produces perseverance, produces endurance, produces stamina, the ability go through life well and then he says perseverance character those qualities that cannot be obtained in any other way than choosing to rejoice in the suffering and the suffering produces perseverance and that perseverance produces character and character gives hope and expectation Rejoicing 
in trials produces perseverance, produces character, and that gives hope. And he says that hope in verse 5 does not disappoint us. This expectation, this hope of what's coming in the future, but God, the hope, the expectation that God is going to use the trial, he says, doesn't disappoint us. Why? Because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. We go through difficulties of life. The Romans were going through difficulties. Paul was going through difficulties. Rejoice, perseverance, character, hope. I'm not going to, your hope's not going to be disappointed. Why? Because I love you. Well, how do I know you love me? You're giving me the Spirit of God to live with them. The Spirit of God within the believer reminds us that there's hope in the midst of difficulty. And to amplify that love and the Spirit being given in verse 6, you see at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Christ died. When? When there was something good in us? No. When the Romans were ungodly. When the Old Testament... People were ungodly because there's no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. That's love. It's like you going to Luzerne County Prison and you say to the guard out front, can you tell me anything about uh, some prisoners in here and why they're in here? And he says, why can't you need to talk to someone else? And you, anyway, you find out about the 10 worst criminals in Luzerne County Prison. And then you go to the judge when they have their hearing. And you say, judge, I will take their sentence. And the judge says, did they do something? Did they pay you off? No. I choose to take their sentence. That's what Christ did. Right at the right time. While we were still powerless, Christ died. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man. Though for a good man, someone might dare possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, I can say to my wife, I love you. That doesn't mean too much. But if I bring her home a dozen roses, that's a demonstration. God says he loves us, but it's demonstrated in the person of Christ. Since we've been justified by his blood, how much more will we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only in this, or not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, 
through whom we have now received reconciliation. In the context of justification, in the context of access to God's grace, in the context of a hope concerning the future, Paul says, rejoice in trials. Because trials produce perseverance and Perseverance, character, and character gives hope, and that hope, that expectation that God is in the work, in the midst of working in us in trials, will not be disappointed because He demonstrated His love in the person of Christ. But He also gave us the Spirit of God to live within us, to work in us. Dr. Paul Brandt, who worked with leprosy patients for many years in India and in the United States. And I quote, The very unpleasantness of pain, the part we hate, is what makes it so effective in protecting us. The very unpleasantness of pain, the part we hate, is what makes it so very effective in protecting us. We don't like trials, we don't like thorns, we don't like difficulties, but yet they're effective in enabling us to live in a fallen world. Take the physical realm. A month ago, Ruthann got me up awake on Sunday morning about 2.30 and said I have some discoloring in my urine. And about a half hour later, she said, now it's really red and there's blood clots. And she said, I hurt like crazy. I said, we're going to the hospital. We got to the hospital. And the nurse said, on a scale of 1 to 10, what is your level of pain? And without blinking an eye, Ruth Ann said 10. What would have happened if Ruth Ann did not have pain? The bladder infection would have got worse and worse and eventually just died. Pain tells us something is wrong in our bodies, in our relationships, financially. And I quote again Dr. Paul Brandt, Silencing pain without considering its message is like disconnecting a ringing fire alarm to avoid receiving bad news. Silencing pain without considering its message is like disconnecting a ringing fire alarm to avoid receiving bad news. In our relationships, when there's some pain that tells us there's something wrong. So if in our family we argue and quarrel at times, It tells us, what's going on here? There's something wrong. We need to stop and consider what's wrong and deal with it. You go to work and you're having difficulty on the job responding to a coworker that tells you there's something wrong. Maybe it's you. Maybe it's a coworker. I don't know. But step back and say, how do I need to respond? Pain. Trials, thorns are necessary in a fallen world. 
So we need to develop a belief. In later Romans 5 and 2 Corinthians 12 and related passages that trials are a constant reminder we're not home. Our world is broken, but eternity is coming. Trials are a constant reminder we're not home. Our world is broken, but eternity is coming. Each time we face a financial difficulty, we face a relational difficulty, we face a difficulty in school, may that be a reminder that we're not home. We live in a foreign country. Our citizenship is in heaven. Yes, we have citizenship in the U.S., but we're not home. We're in a foreign country which is broken. It has fallen. Recognize it. Accept it. Romans 8, in verse 18, Paul says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. Creation itself is waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. We live in a broken, fallen world. We have thorns, we have trials, we have difficulties. But it can't be compared to the glory that is coming in the future. I don't say this lightly, but thorns and trials and difficulties will not end until we're with the Lord. That makes a difference in how we respond. (laughs) Because we're not going to be looking for a pain, trial, thorn, free life here on this earth. Never going to happen. That's freeing. Well, Lord, when I get through this, I'm going to have a piece of ease. Well, I'm not sure. Maybe I will, but maybe I won't because I live in a broken, fallen world. Don't look for something that is not going to be a reality until the future. Some counsel before, during, and after trials. Thorns and pain. Know and experience God in Christ as awesome, able, majestic, sufficient, and gracious. Often think about God's names. We put some of God's names in the bulletin at times. Not in this morning. But take those and maybe stick them where you can see them. Think about his attributes. We have some of those in the bulletin the second Sunday of the month and also have inserts at times. Think about his works in history, creation. I'm told, I don't know this other than what I'm told, and I have no reason to doubt it, that the nearest star to this earth is four and a half light years away. Light travels at 186,000 miles per second, multiplied times 60, that's a minute, Multiplied times 60 to get an hour. Multiplied times 24 times 365 then times four and a half. I can't fathom that distance. 
in the midst of a trial, there's a creator God that worked in Abraham's life, that worked in Joseph's life, that worked in David's life, and in our thorns he'll work also. Think about Christ and what is revealed in the Gospels concerning his character, his being, his identity. And just reflect on what we have in Christ and God's promises is an insert in the bulletin. We've been redeemed, we've been forgiven, we've been declared righteous, we have peace with God, his spirit is that live within us. And I could go on and on, all that we have in Christ in the midst of the trials and the thorns and the difficulties that we have. Sometimes we say, God, what's your will for my life? Well, let me tell you what God's will for your life is. Trials, thorns, difficulties are essential in a fallen world to learn obedience so that there can be character, fruitfulness for God's glory. And in the midst of them, rejoice. Hebrews 5, 7 through 10, which we discussed a while back when we were going through Mark, talks about the fact that when Christ was here, he learned obedience through suffering. Here's the Son of God coming as fully God, fully human. He had to learn obedience, and how did he learn it? Through suffering. Trials and thorns and difficulties are essential in a fallen world to learn obedience so that there can be character and fruitfulness. It's so joyous to talk to older people who have been walking with God year after year. They're having their ups and their downs. They rejoice sometimes and they struggle other times. But they're seeking to be sensitive to God. And to just ask them, how did you develop the depth of character that you have? Their answer? I've attempted to rejoice in my trials as a pattern of life. Blown up many times, but God is faithful. He continues to reach out to me. Our response in trials, our response in pain, our response in the difficulties of life, whatever the trials may be, is a testimony concerning Christ. That's why Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12, I boast, I delight in my weaknesses, my insults, my infirmities, and so on. For when I'm weak, then Christ's power becomes evident in me. As long as we think we can handle life, we really don't need God. As long as we think we can handle our trials, we really don't need God's grace. So Paul says, I rejoice. So someone says to us, I don't understand you. 
in the midst of difficulty, you seem to struggle at times, but you still have a joyful attitude. What's going on in your life? Well, let me tell you. It's God. It's Christ. He's given me a grace and a strength that only he can give. I mentioned before the book Pain, the Gift Nobody Wants by Dr. Paul Brent and Phil Yancey. And I'm going to read a quote, and it was written 24 years ago. And in the context, the authors are in no way knocking modern technology. Please understand that. But he is making a point. And I quote, Modern technology, by mastering the art of controlling nature, has substituted a new reality for the natural reality known to the vast majority of people who have lived on this planet. Water flows from the tap at any hour. Climate control devices in cars and homes keep the temperature steady summer and winter. We shrink wrapped, or we buy shrimp rack steaks in cheerful supermarkets far from the mess of slaughterhouse. Our bathroom shelves are lined with re- remedies for aches of stomach. <coughs> head and muscle. In contrast, those who live closer to nature tend to acquire a more balanced view of life that encompasses both pain and pleasure. In village India, or in a village in India, I grew up in the stern conditions of heat and cold, hunger and good food, birth and death. Whereas now, living in a technological advanced society, I am tempted to view all discomfort as a problem that should be solved. We think we can solve every problem. We can't fix every trial and difficulty and thorn that we face. And thank God for modern technology. But we still face trials and difficulties. As a result, we battle with some lies that our world would seek to feed us. One of them is being fixed quickly and boasting in it is better than delighting and boasting in trials as God extends grace. Being quick, fixed quickly and boasting in it is better than delighting, boasting in trials as God and Christ extend power. We hear testimonies of people who have been healed and great. Some people are healed. But equally good is a testimony who's, of someone who's going through trials and difficulties long term. And they have that same joy and they say, God's grace is great. It's not one or the other. God heals sometimes. Sometimes he doesn't. God fixes the difficulty sometimes. Other times he doesn't. Take a Lorraine Austin who has been through difficulties for many years. Or Sharon Cease. Or Priscilla Martin. And some who have already gone to be with the Lord. A Ron Killian or a Bud Austin. 
never really get fixed totally. And I'm not talking just the physical realm now. But yet, a depth of character developed. Another lie that we're tempted to believe is that something is wrong in your life or in my life if I have trials. If I have thorns, if I have difficulties. Something is wrong in your life if you have trials and difficulties. That's a lie. Think about the saints of the past and some of the difficulties they went through. Job, as an example, is considered a righteous man by God and apparently living well, but yet he went through some tremendous difficulties. He lost all his wealth. He lost his children and then lost his health. We may live right but still have trials. I close with an account of a man by the name of Raman who had no sense of pain because he had leprosy. He had no feeling in his hands and in his feet because of leprosy. His hands, because of leprosy, became almost unable to be used and basically drawn in like this. And because of surgery and advances that were made because of technology, he was able to have some surgery where his hands became more usable. And he lived in a place for lepers. And he went home to his family one time, very, very proud because his hands appeared normal. And the first night that he was home, he lay down and slept. And he'd get up the next morning. And he looked at his hand and wept. Because during the night, a rat had chewed his hand. He forgot to take his cat. He didn't think he would need the cat. So the second night he was home, he was determined. He was going to stay up all night. And make sure nothing, no rats, chewed his hands. And as he sat there trying to stay awake, he nodded off. And his other hand fell against a hot, a heater and burned it. Never knew it because he had no pain. And he came back to where he was living. And he said to Dr. Paul Brandt, or he Dr. Paul Brandt noticed he looked very discouraged and discontented and just frustrated like he'd never been seen before. And Dr. Paul asked him what happened, and he explained. And then he asked Dr. Paul Brandt this question. How can I ever be free without pain? How can I ever be free without pain? A leopard can't. Because their feet and their hands can be destroyed. Because they have no pain. Think about the trials and the thorns and the thistles and difficulties that we have in life. 
we say we don't like them. But living in our broken, fallen world, they're a blessing. So Paul says, rejoice in them. Paul says, when I'm weak, then I am strong. I will delight, I will boast in my weaknesses, my infirmities, so that Christ's power may rest upon me. A simple question. Are you boasting about and delighting in your thorns, your difficulties, your trials that you face in life? A second question, are we as a body of believers boasting about and delighting in the thorns and the difficulties and the trials that we may face as a church? This is God's will. If you're delighting, continue. If no, repent. Driving to the hospital with Ruth Ann, it went through my mind, Lord, doesn't this ever end? We're trying to get away. (laughs) Take a little break. I had to repent. Say, Lord, I'll rejoice. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the justification we have in Christ your spirit living within us, the hope of the future. While we live in this world, you display grace so abundantly as we face the trials and difficulties of life. And Father, we have to confess that many times we don't always rejoice. We endure And sometimes we get bitter. When those times come in your faithfulness, remind us so that we can repent. We can turn away and turn to rejoicing and boasting and delighting in our difficulties. May we be a body of believers that displays your grace and our attitude and outlook towards difficulties and trials. In Christ's name, amen.